Revelation 13, beginning in verse 7. It was granted to him, the beast, to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. We've been away from this series now for a couple of weeks, so may I just catch us back up with some reminders. When we concluded a message a few weeks back, we sang a song, I Wish We'd All Been Ready. The, the words of that song foretelling this awful suffering that will become rampant all over the earth during those awful coming days of the Great Tribulation. With all of the Christians having been raptured off the earth and many, many people giving themselves over to the mark of the beast and to the control by the demonic powers of those people, unrestrained evil will become commonplace everywhere. I envision it being rampant on the streets, even in people's homes. And with all the Christians having been raptured away, you'll recall we talked about this, even the simplest forms of caring, of love, of pity, and, and compassion that people had been accustomed to receiving from one another, that will all be gone. The words of the song again that we sang, Life was filled with guns and wars, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Children died and the days grew cold. A piece of bread would buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. Those truly will be days of tribulation. Chaos and fear will be commonplace. And with few to really care, children and the weak ones, as we sang in that song, they really will get trampled without any help. And as food and clothing shortages get really bad, and no way to keep warm on those cold winter nights, what will people do? What will people do? It will be such a sad time for those who've been left behind. Because there will be no hope. And there will be no hope that even the conditions will ever get any better. Never again will there be a kind and gentle world like we have right now. We may think that it's not that kind and gentle, but as compared to what it's going to be like. We live in a very gentle world today. But then, with that sad reality being true, we do also know that God's heart is ever and always loving and always generous especially to those who will turn and surrender their hearts to Him. For them, for those who will give their hearts to Christ, I'm certain that during those worst of days of seeming hopelessness, that God will shine His precious light of hope into their hearts. Remember, the Holy Spirit who will enter and reside in the hearts of those who will give themselves over to Christ 
in the tribulation. They'll have the Holy Spirit. And one of the names of the Holy Spirit is Comforter. And so there will be comfort. There will be... they. The Holy Spirit will bring comfort and relief. But listen, even if at some point that relief needs be death, even if it means death, because yes, the end time is truly coming. And once the rapture takes place, it really does seem that there is a seven-year period. So at the end of that seven years, those people will be gone from this earth because the earth will be no more. So death, yes, is a relief. And it really is a sweet and merciful relief for those who have salvation. Because death is just one short breath away from stepping into God's blessed and safe presence where peace and comfort abide forever. And because God is merciful, because He's merciful... Even during these worst of days of the tribulation, he does not desire that any should perish. Right up even to the very last moment of the very last day, he will continue to draw more and more people into his kingdom. Here in chapter 7, and I'd like for you to turn there. Here in chapter 7 of the book of Revelation, we read about a very special group of God's chosen people who will be brought into his kingdom during the tribulation. He will bring many. This is one of his most special groups of people, the 144,000 from the tribes of Israel. Follow along with me, verse 1, chapter 7. After these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth or on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed... Now, may I pause for a moment? Those who will give their hearts over to Satan, they will have a seal, but it will be these, this number of 666. But here, these who give their hearts to Christ, they will also have a seal, but it will be of the Lord. Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed... 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Now note, and I won't read these through, but note there in the following verses that God is very specific about whom He is sealing. They will be Israelites. They will be 12,000 from each of these specific tribes. Turn also to chapter 14, if you will. Chapter 14, and I want to read, beginning in verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, on Mount Zion stood the Lamb, and with him 144,000 who had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven like the roar of many waters and like the sound of loud thunder. The voice I heard was like the sound of harpists playing on their harps. 
And they were singing a new song before the throne and before the four living creatures and before the elders. No one could learn that song except 144,000 who had been redeemed from the earth. It is these who have not defiled themselves with women, for they were virgins. Uh, Let me pause a moment here. What is the new song that these 144,000 Jews are singing? It's about Christ. You see, this is the change, the big change that takes place. They, they will realize that He is the Messiah. And yes, all of their song before this had, had, had not included Christ. But now they can sing a new song, and it's about Him. Verse 4, It is these who have not been defiled, and have not defiled themselves with women, for they are virgins. It is these who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been redeemed from mankind as firstfruits, for God and the Lamb. And in their mouth no lie was found, for they were blameless. Now again, these 144,000 Jews will be specifically chosen by God, handpicked by Him, and they will have a very special calling and a very special responsibility to carry out during these worst days of the tribulation. One Bible commentator words it this way. He says, These particular Jews are sealed which means they have the special protection of God from all the divine judgments and from the Antichrist, enabling them to perform their mission of evangelizing and proclaiming the gospel during the tribulation. As a result of their ministry, this commentator says, millions, and the scripture, he quotes a scripture verse, a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language will come to faith in Christ. Those words are in chapter 7. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed with white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. These are going to come to know Christ through the ministry of these 144,000. Now again, the events of the last days, and especially those things that will take place after the rapture, they're going to be very different from anything that we have ever known before. Mystical things are going to take place. Unknowable things that our human minds are not going to be able to, to understand. And this is some of it. These 144,000 they will go about evangelizing, as this commentator said. They'll go about evangelizing great numbers of people, but they're going to be fully protected, both from the wrath of God, which will be raining down upon all around them, upon the unbelievers, but not touching them. Not touching them. But also, they're going to be, these 144,000 are going to be protected from the forces of the Antichrist. He'll not be able to hurt them. Until their mission is complete. There's another mysterious ministry that takes place during these days of the tribulation. And it involves two special witnesses. I'd like for you to turn there to Revelation chapter 11, if you will. I want you to follow along with me. Revelation chapter 11. Listen to these words. Beginning in verse 3. 
And I, speaking of God, and I, God, will grant authority to my two witnesses. Now, by the way, as you read Bible commentators, there's a lot of speculation as to who these two witnesses might be. Some want to think that they would be Moses and Elijah, or perhaps Elijah and Enoch. But it really doesn't say who they are. And it probably doesn't really matter. So let me just leave them unknown for the time being. So he says in verse 3, I, God, will grant authority to these two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days. Now, three and a half years. They'll be clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees, the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, listen to this. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony... And by the way, may I just comment, because it's going to come up in a couple of verses. Those who have not given their hearts to Christ, they know about these two witnesses and they, they come to despise them because these two witnesses are stopping it from raining and they know that they're bringing plagues upon them. But it says then, at the end of this 1260 days, when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit, will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt where their Lord was crucified. Now this is Jerusalem that he's talking about. Their bodies will lie there on the streets of Jerusalem. For three and a half days... Some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them. And listen to this. They will make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets have been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God enters them. And they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. Now, by the way, can you imagine with today's communications what you have on every news service, Fox, MSNBC, all of these, you have the cameras that are focused continually on these dead bodies lying there in the streets. And no doubt those same cameras had followed them around for 1260 days causing all of these people to hate them so the cameras focused on them verse 11 but after three and a half days a breath of life from God entered them and they stood up on their feet and great fear fell on all those who saw them then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them come up here and they went up into heaven in a cloud And their enemies watched. One of my favorite Bible commentators, John MacArthur, he tells us this. He says, the word prophecy, and he's speaking about these two 
witnesses. The word prophecy in the New Testament is often misunderstood, he tells us. It does not necessarily refer to predicting the future. Its primary meaning is to speak forth, to proclaim, or to preach. These two witnesses, MacArthur says, will proclaim to the world that the disasters occurring during this last half of the tribulation, the 1260 days, they are the judgments of God. They will warn that God's final outpouring of judgment and eternal hell will follow. At the same time, they will preach the gospel, calling people to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I confess for myself, I marvel as I think about these things taking place. The power and the protection that was given to these two witnesses. It is mysterious, but it will take place. God is almighty, and He can give His almighty power to any of His witnesses. Now, yes, also, besides the 144,000 that will be out there ministering and giving the gospel, evangelizing, and also in these two witnesses that will be ministering and evangelizing, there will no doubt be lots of other ministers that God will call into His service as they come to know Christ and they begin to minister. And there will be those who will bring comfort and relief to those who have come to know Christ. And especially as the Antichrist is out there with all of his forces tracking down, hunting down, and killing many of them. All of that's going to be taking place. The suffering that's going to take place though, I want us to always keep this in mind. That tribulation time and all the suffering that will take place is still precious grace from God. God, it says, does not desire that any should perish. And so as He brings these witnesses out, that's what He's accomplishing. He is bringing more and more into His kingdom before that very last day. Chapter 7, After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, people, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes. That's what these are going to all be about. Now, so you consider, we have been raptured off of this earth, and there is not one believer left. But then, shortly after that takes place, people will start to come to know Christ. Perhaps beginning with the 144,000. But others... And so the great number that I just read about here, it talks about great multitudes that no one could number of all nations, tribe, people, and tongue. That's going to be people who come to know Christ during the tribulation. The, the number of believers on the earth will grow very quickly during that seven-year period. What's going to happen to them? Are they just going to be killed out along with all of the unbelievers? No, they are not. Remember one of the rules of the wrath of God. It is not poured out upon on believers. It is poured out on unbelievers. So there's been a lot of speculation as you read these commentators. Well, what's going to happen to all those new converts when the final wrath of God is poured out upon the earth? Some would believe that for those perhaps just before 
Jesus begins to open these seals and especially just before he opens up seal number seven, which then has all of these bowls of wrath. We'll talk about those in the next couple of weeks that are poured out upon the people. Just before all of that takes place, some would speculate that Christ will have another ingathering of believers similar to that of the rapture. We really aren't told that in the scriptures, so we don't really know. But one set of verses, and I'd like for you to turn there, Revelation 14, turn there if you will. And again, this is perhaps some speculation on my part, but I do believe this is what's going to take place with all those who have come to know Christ during the tribulation. Chapter 14, verse 14. Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and seated on the cloud, one like the Son of Man, with a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, calling with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap. For the hour to reap has come, for the harvest of the earth is fully ripe. So he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle across the earth, and the earth was reaped. Could those words be foretelling that moment when those remaining Christians, the 144,000 and all of the others who have come to know Christ during the tribulation time, is it then that they will suddenly be taken off the earth? to be with Christ in heaven. I would love to think so. Again, this is some speculation on my part and others, but I would like to think that that is what takes place here because look at the next verse. Because there's another sickle going to go into the earth. Verse 17. And another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also had a sharp sickle. Then another angel, the one who had power over fire, came out from the altar. And he called with a loud voice to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Put in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters from the vine of the earth, because her grapes are ripe. And listen, so the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vine of the earth and threw them into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city. And blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. Now picture what's taking place. Two angels come out. The first one comes out with his sickle and he brings out a whole group of people. They get to stand before God and be in heaven safe. And then another one comes out with his sickle and he cuts out the other half. And that group is thrown into the great winepress of the wrath of God. Remind you of the parable of the weed, of the tares. Remember that parable. You have two groups there. You have the wheat that was planted first, but then the weeds grow up all in amongst them. Recall what Christ said. The helper said, should I pull up the, uh, the weeds? He said, no, wait. You might harm the wheat. Wait until the harvest. That's what's taking place here, I believe. The first angel reaps the first group. And they go into heaven. That's the wheat. The second angel comes in 
with the sickle and he takes out the weeds and they're thrown into the wine press of the wrath of God. It's so difficult for us to comprehend and accept this kind of mysterious and spiritually heavy matters like these. God carrying out this final redemption of His saints and then His final retribution towards those who rejected Him. But may I say to you, though it may not happen exactly as I just said to you, it will happen. It absolutely will happen. It will take place. And it's my prayer that all who hear these words will turn their hearts to Christ, else this second group might be their final outcome. Folks, listen, God is good. And we know that. Scripture says that. But we believe that. He is good and He does good. But I want to remind us that His definition of good does not fit the definition of good that it seems that most people on the earth want it to be. As I've said to you often, God really is not just some good old grandfatherly kind of guy who will figure out some way to get everyone into heaven whether they've trusted in Him or not. These words, these words that we are reading now, they're only a few of the many, many scriptures that tell a very different story about who God is. The real truth is God is holy. He is holy and He is just. And He will require justice of all men and women. As these scriptures that I've just read clearly tell us, some people will repent. And they'll be able to stand before the throne of God and praise and worship Him. But others, many, many, many others, who will not hear, who will not turn their hearts to Him, they will be thrown into this winepress of the wrath of God. And there there will be misery beyond anything that we can imagine. And it's going to take place on a scale that is just beyond our imagination. Those words are in Revelation 14 verse 20. Listen to these words. And the winepress was trodden outside the city and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. That would bespeak the days of Armageddon. There will be so many people to die. So many people to die. Blood will come up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. That is inconceivable to me. But I believe it. Now we'll need to close. Our time is up for today. Let me close with these words. Then the kings of the earth and the great men and the commanders and the rich and the strong and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and to the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the presence of Him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come. Who is able to stand? Let's pray.